Hello, 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 and welcome to another edition of Brownstown USA. As always, I am LA, and across from me is my good buddy Eric, and we're gonna break down this 16 to 14 uh, crushing Browns loss to the Raiders uh, last night, as we were recording this on a Tuesday morning. Uh, then we're gonna get into you know some stats to break down of the game, what to expect coming up um, as far as when it comes to the Browns playoff choices. And then, of course, we'll give you a quick preview of the Green Bay uh, Packers game that will be played on Christmas just because it's the holiday week and, you know, we're all busy. So we're going to try to just go ahead and get this in today uh, for you guys so you'll have something to listen to throughout the week. So, again, thank you for joining us. Make sure you follow us at Brownstown USA on all your social media platforms. Make sure you subscribe to the show on all podcast platforms. We are there and you can definitely listen to us. And like I said, thank you for your support. So. Getting straight into it, Raiders beat us 16-14. It was a last-minute field goal. Uh, a little drama towards the end there with the, you know, with the quick timeout. But ultimately, we weren't able to ice the kicker. Um, Eric, I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw out some quick stats and everything to you, and then we'll get into the breakdown. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. Derek Carr, 236, um, off of tw- um, 25 and 38 passing. Uh, QBR rating of 46.5. Uh, so not the best. Uh, he had that interception, uh, which we'll get into as well. Um, carries, it seemed like the guy had a lot more, <laughs> but, uh, Jacobs with 15 carries for 52 yards. Uh, Barber came in and has some key runs too, with, uh, five rushes and 34 yards. Uh, receiving wise, um, what is this for? Zay. There it is. I always want to say Zeta for whatever reason, but Zay Jones, uh, you know, led with yards, uh, six receptions, 67 yards. And um, Moru, Moru, uh, Foster Moru uh, stepped up with seven receptions, 65 yards. Now, the guy that we were concerned about, Hunter Renfro, was pretty much held in check, um, except for a couple of like key plays here and there. Um, but he ended the game at, you know, three receptions, 32 yards. Uh, let's jump over to the Browns real quick, and then we'll get into it. Uh, Nick Mullins, starting in place of Baker Mayfield. 20 of 30, 147 yards, one touchdown, QBR rating of 77.9. Nick Chubb, 23 carries for 91 yards and one touchdown. Donovan Peoples-Jones, which we'll get into that as well. Um, four receptions, 48 yards. Uh off of eight targets, and then we had Harrison Bryant show up with a um, a pretty nice touchdown, um, but, you know, he had two receptions, 11 yards with that one touchdown um, that came during some clutch time. So, uh, let's see, since this is a Brown show, I will go into the defense. Uh, MJ Stewart led the team with tackles with 11 total, eight solo. Uh, and then after that, there was just a lot of tackles all over the place, a lot of missed ones as well, and we'll get into that. So leading into that, breakdowns. Uh, Eric, you know, looking across, um, we had a lot of new names because of the fact of the COVID list. We still, even though we're able to get two players back off that list, we still had a total of like 19 people out, uh, including, I want to say it was eight starters. So we got to see some new names. We got to see some old names that we know from, you know, practice squad like Javante Muffet and stuff like that. Um, Moffitt, I'm sorry, not Muffet. Um, but Moffitt uh, come in, you know, and make some key stuff for us. But, you know, names that we've seen and then new names. So uh, as we do as a customary, 
win or lose, we're still going to give out a game ball or a high performer uh, kind of player. Now, because we did lose this, I'm going to limit this to one. We're not because we're not going to gloat about this. We're not trying to no. get out participation. Trust me. If we're gloating about this. I have a lot of questions. Uh, <laughs> right, right. So let me throw it over to you, man. Who was um, who your, your game performer that stood out to you? As weird as it sounds, I'm actually going to give it to, uh, you know, I'm just going to say it. I got to give it to JOK on this one. I mean, as much as people want to sit here and say that this defense looked bad, JOK actually was probably one player throughout all this game that actually did give you some hope. He was getting in for some pressures. He was, and he made the big strips, and I believe it was a strip sack, I believe it was, uh, that Port Augustine fell on. Like, the fact is, he actually came up and he showed up to play, and he's, start, he's really starting to look less like the player that we uh, thought he was going to look like and more of the player that we thought he was going to be as a first-round pick. So I got to go ahead and give it to, Je- and to Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, linebacker, on this one. Okay. Yeah, in total, he had uh, five tackles, uh, three were solo. Uh, and then, like you said, credited it for that half a sack um, with the with the QB hits, um, which was absolutely a great play. I would give it to him, and I would agree with you completely, but there was some plays that he miffed on. Uh, there was some tackles that he missed. So uh, <laughs> I, can't, I can't give it all to him as far as that, but he did have some moments. And again, with Jeremiah Wuskomura, he's a rookie. So I'm whatever we're getting from him right now, the glimpses and stuff like that, I'm loving it, right? Uh, mm-hmm. But at the same time, I know he's a rookie. He's going to make some mistakes. There definitely was some mistakes made in this game. But ultimately, Eric, and that's the one thing that's been pissing me off about Twitter, uh, is that it's always the defense's fault for whatever reason. Like, look, the Raiders only scored 16 points, okay? Well, mm-hmm. technically, they only scored, what, seven, because most of them were field goals. So, right. uh, so the defense did its job. It came up with some big plays. However, the offense could not do that. You know what I mean? They could not. Ooh, yeah. It seemed like every time, especially when we got the uh, the fumble, um, even after we got the interception by Greedy Williams, uh, which, you know, shout out to Greedy, man. He had a decent game. I mean, he had one or two blown plays as well. But, um, you know, uh, he got the interception, which was a beautiful interception that he got. And immediately afterwards, the offense was three and out. And it's like, okay, the defense just worked this hard to 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 get a turnover for you guys or worked this hard to hold them to three points. And then the next minute you go over there and you're three and out right away and the defense got to come back in. Dude, I'm sure this defense is gassed. We've seen Tack McKinley, uh, McKinley go down with a major injury. I'm hearing the earlier reports um, right now is that it's probably a, a torn Achilles, which I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that it's not, man, because the guy – Worked his butt off, man, just to get back, um, you know, to bounce back in this year. And I was hoping that we would be able to even, you know, potentially bring him back. You know, so that's absolutely a crucial blow. And then we even saw Miles Garrett get injured, too, which is off of a blatant hold, by the way, uh, that he got the injury on. Um, and, and then that's another frustration of mine. Like, do, like I know they're not going to call every holding call in the NFL. That's impossible, right? Or we would never get any games done. But, I mean, this guy, man. It's just, it's just like, it's so blatant that it's not even funny anymore. I just, I just sit back and I'm like, well, he got held right there. But you know, as far as me complaining about it and stuff like that, I can't even do that anymore, man. Like, because it, it, it's just so blatant at this point that you could tell 
you could tell in this game that he was definitely affected by the holding because he he was there or he was bull rushing and then he would just like get ripped by the neck or something like that. Um, I know we've seen the one penalty that they finally I don't even think it was him. Actually, it was somebody else. I want to say Jackson or somebody that got held and he got wrapped around his neck. And I'm like, yo, that's what Miles Garrett goes through like every single snap. So um, I will say this, man, to wrap up my point, um, you know, my rebuttal on your stuff, man. Mm-hmm. Clowney, Clowney was missed in this game. Clowney was definitely missed in this game. You know, there there wasn't anybody that could step up to that kind of level of play, whether it was just, you know, keeping the QB pressure or by being able to stop that run consistently up the middle uh, like like Clowney is able to do. So before I move to my breakout player, uh, what, what is your rebuttal to that? I have no rebuttal to that because that's 100% on the money. And you know what makes it even more frustrating Last night, I, I'm in a uh, I'm in a uh, group chat on on Instagram mm. that uh, what do you call it? that is a Browns chat. Um, it's from someone that actually does follow up. It was someone that was started by someone that does follow us. So shout out to uh, Browns culture on this one and some of the people in okay. there. But you know what the number one comment in that whole chat was last night? What's that? The number one comment was. Fire Joe Woods, fire Joe Woods, fire Joe. And my first thing is, you know, we talked about this in the pregame. We talked about this at nauseum going into this game that realistically, if you're going to sit here and blame the defense for this, guess what? The defense is not allowing the 20 points that we sh- that realistically they think we are. We're not allowing... 500 yards of offense like do we want to go back to the greg williams days i know people keep saying we do but people don't remember that the greg williams days were the games that were basically oh we're gonna bull rush oh we missed and now there's a deep ball downfield oops yeah yeah and you know you know what i might even title this episode like this is not joe wood's fault just so that people can get pissed off and stuff uh, but like you say, it's, it's, it's really, it's really not his fault. Sorry to interrupt you, man. No, no, but like, that's the thing. Like, that's the number one thing. And it, what makes it even worse is what, if you went on Brown's Instagram was just so toxic yesterday. It wasn't even funny. There was someone that was actually blaming Miles Garrett for losing because he couldn't get pressure on the quarterback. I saw someone saying, this is the game that we need to cut MJ Stewart when I'm just going to say it. Yeah, he had that one call, the uh, pass interference, which, and NFL, can we just admit that was bullshit because he, and we saw equal pushing on that one, but whatever. I'm not, I'm not the referee. I'm not going to go ahead and have my uh, blind and my blind cane ready to go on this one, but whatever. Like, what annoys me more than anything, it's getting to the point that's not that's almost comical, is, as you said, it's become that Joe Woods is the new Andrew Sandejo of this team, realistically. Basically, you need someone to blame? Let's blame him, because he because for whatever reason, the, the defense doesn't stop the one play when they're freaking gassed. Right. And, you know, and just to speak real quick, um, you know, about the MJ Stewart stuff. First of all, MJ Stewart is not a full time starter. He, he, he He's not. He just happened to start because of this game, because of the COVID stuff. And that's what 
it's like I understood people was up, upset and stuff like that, but they were like firing off things like that didn't make any sense. Like it, it just they were just wrapped up in their own, you know, madness. Like um, I put out a tweet and I said, man, that that, you know, we're we're going to be haunted by missing that kick. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, um, you know, a lot of people agree with me. And then it was like maybe four or five people that was like, well, what would the kick have done? And I was like, wait time out and I had to think about it myself because I had I had a couple sips you know so I was like did I just mess up this and I was like no they literally missed the kick <laughs> you know <laughs> and like like and we lost by two so I don't I don't get what they were talking about there but at the same time man it is what it is because we know what kind of fan base we are again if you've been in the Browns fan base for even more than two years you already know what we're talking about so we don't need to keep harping on that look um my standout performer, dude, I have to say Nick Mullen. I have to. And the reason being is because, one, he – I'm not saying he's better than Baker Mayfield, but he was able to make the throws that Baker Mayfield is supposed to throw, right, when he's not injured. The the bootlegs, the rollouts, the being able to, uh, you know, line back up his shoulders and deliver a dime like how he was doing in the passes, that's exactly how Baker looks when he is healthy. Okay, so Case Keenum cannot do that. That's not Case Keenum can't do that. You know, you know what I mean? So I don't know how this game would have looked if Case Keenum would have came in and they would have been, you know, running them same uh, type of plays because Nick Mullins, to me, has a has a little bit of a stronger arm. I mean, we've seen him go downfield and stuff. Right. The the only thing was. Is that his receivers weren't helping him out primarily Donovan Peoples-Jones because Donovan Peoples-Jones was his go-to guy this entire game. Like I said, he was targeted eight times out of everybody else. We've seen the Joku drop a few. Uh, you know, we like I said, we've seen Peoples-Jones drop a lot. He had just a horrible sequence at one point, uh, especially that one, that one deep ball, uh, I want to say it was in like the first quarter or maybe the beginning of the second quarter that, uh, that he couldn't uh, keep his hands on. But, um, but yeah, I got to give a shout-out to Nick Mullins, man, for, first of all, uh, being able to come in. When you're a third-string quarter- quarterback, you're like, yeah, there's there's just no way. You know, I'll just do what I got to do. A lot of people check out, you know, just to, just to get that paycheck. But, you know, they said that he was preparing to be a starter all week. And, again, we didn't know if Baker could come back or not off the list because they had until uh, yesterday at 2 o'clock to make it official. So, he didn't know until about two o'clock that he was actually going to be the starter. He didn't know until yesterday. So for him to be able to do that, to be able to come in, like I said, throw 20 for 30 and the drops wasn't really even his fault. Like he, I didn't see a blatant throw where I was just like, ah, uh, yeah, he missed that one. I mean, he had a couple that might've been a little bit too high, but the receiver was still able to get both hands on it. So in my book and how I was taught and raised, if you can get two hands on the ball you bring it in, except for those, you know, exceptional great defensive plays where, you know, somebody comes in and punches it out or something like that. So that's my high performer of the game, man. How do you feel about that? I got to agree on for an offensive perspective here, man. I mean, look, the fact is I know a lot of people were talking about how bad Nick Mullins was, but let me go ahead and just say this. Part of it is what were you real? What were people realistically expecting from a guy that was supposed to be a third string? Like, I'm going to be honest. The first half of the game was what I was going into the game with expectations for because I wasn't expecting anything. Well, oh my goodness, 
yeah, he had the game against the, against the Raiders a couple years ago, but again, that was three years ago. So, and he's not really gotten a chance to start anywhere else. All of that said, he came in, and if you weren't at least a little impressed by him, like, I'm not saying, oh, this guy needs to take Baker's starting job for the rest of the year, or, oh, next year he should be our starter. No. What I'm saying is, this is a guy that actually could, you, if the Browns were to go ahead and try to do something like a, uh, like go and get a competitive player to back up, that's one of the guys that you want in your locker room because, you know, I'm just going to say it. It was just very impressive what we saw from him. And you know what? I'll take it. Like, the fact is, there's more to this kid than necessarily meets the eye. Yeah, no. Like I said, again, I'm not looking at Nick Mullins to be a savior or even be a competent, competent uh, backup. I mean, he just came in. And uh, he did a very good job as far as what you wanted him to do. He was a spot starter. And he did a very good job at completing that mission. And like I said, the thing about him that impressed me is that his throws that he were doing were Baker-esque type throws. Like, that's how Baker looks, except he looks better. He did exactly what I thought he was going to do. However, like I said, at the end of the day, not enough to uh, to get it done. So, shifting to this... Uh, we 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 highlighted some positives. Time to highlight some negatives. We can be we can be very nitpicky, but I don't even want to spew and just get all nitpicky. Like just give me just give me something that stood out to you about this game on the reason why uh, that you know we ultimately just lost. One and two words: special teams. I'm just gonna say it. What we saw last week with this defense, I mean, and really. When I say special teams, it's one player, and I think you know who it is at this point. Like, look, as much as I want to crap on the offensive play calling because that first half was just insufferable, and even in the second half, some really just questionable play calls, the reason you lost this game was because of that field goal, that missed field goal, which, you know... Wouldn't be a pro- wouldn't be a bad thing, except for an interesting fact that did pop up. They said it during the broadcast. He has missed six field goals, went and in his last ten, that is unacceptable at this point. I don't care if it's the Cleveland wind. I don't care if it's the Lake Wind and Lake Erie breeze. If you're a kicker in the NFL, you gotta hit your field goals and. I'm not even gonna say, it wasn't even like it was a long like a really long field goal. I believe it was like forty some yards, I think, which by yeah, no means is a kid. What's up? Yeah, I was gonna say I, I thought I think it was forty eight. Okay, it was forty eight yards, which is not a gimme. We watched this guy hit a fifty seven yarder though, not too long ago. We watched this kid hit field goals like that. I know it's windy, but you know, you know what you're signing up for when you sign with Cleveland or when you play for Cleveland. So it's at the point where, you know, if he misses any big ones against Green Bay, I honestly wouldn't be shocked if we did bring up Chris Nagger to come up for the rest of the season. I hate to say it, but yeah, uh, I mean 
I don't I don't see I don't see the kicker. I mean, un- unless I can't see the kick and change before Green Bay because I think that's a pretty quick turnaround. However, uh, bringing him up to kick in practices too, and then they look and see like, hey, maybe he looks a little good, so we'll throw him in there for Green Bay. I mean, I could see it, but I I would think that if they did it, they'd probably do it after after the Green Bay game just because they got a you know an extra, huh? That's what I just said. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, yeah, th- then we're thinking on the same thing. I'm sorry. Um, I, no, I was thinking about um, – I was actually being greedy and thinking about my my point, um, <laughs> too, because I, I was definitely going to agree with you on the kicker. But also, too, uh, I'm just going to put this on the offense, man. Not being able to sustain long drives, uh, time of possession, uh, That that's the, that's the biggest thing that I'm looking at right here. Uh, because of the fact that, like, like I said, they couldn't, they couldn't keep the defense off the field. I mean, it, it just, it, it wasn't, it wasn't good when it came down to that. They couldn't keep the defense off the field. It just seemed like every single time we turned around, the defense was back on the field. And forgive me, I'm actually looking up time of possession right now. Yeah, they had, they had 26 minutes of, uh, in time of possession. Green Bay had, uh, I mean, Raiders, I'm already thinking about Green Bay. Raiders had 33 uh, minutes but and we were like I said the defense was doing a good job as far as getting the Raiders off too but it was just like you could tell that some of them plays that they did give up you could tell like they were tired they were just like dang man like we were just on the field a minute ago and like I said the the offense couldn't do anything to sustain the drives I'm glad to see Nick Chubb finally get loose on a couple of runs that was another thing that was like really concerning me because I was like man they weren't giving up anything. And I was like, dude, is there something wrong with Nick Chubb? Because it just seems like he just, those normal cuts that he would hit or normal holes that he would see, he just wasn't seeing them. But then at the same time, too, our 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 offensive line is banged up. You know, we've seen Joe Petonio play at left tackle. I mean, uh, ultimately, I don't think there's an excuse against this Raiders team necessarily. And I'm not trying to poo-poo all over the Raiders, but – they, you know, they just weren't playing like a good football team coming into it. So I understand we had a lot of challenges stacked up against us. They did as well. And I think that we had enough talent still on the field to go ahead and get the job done. That That's my pro- That's my point. I completely agree with you. I mean, look, I said this to somebody, but I know every, there's been a lot of people that during the week have said the same exact thing. And you know exactly what I'm going to say. It's time to hand the uh, reins over to Alex Van Pelt to be the offensive play caller. There were some plays that were very questionable about it that I think kind of stuttered the offense a little bit. Uh, I don't know if I can agree with that completely because, again, a lot of the points that I've heard, especially from a lot of other people that I listen to that are a little bit closer to the organization than us, their whole thought process behind offensive play calling and stuff like that, that's not just Kevin Stefanski. I can see if it was just him. And he had his little and he had his little notebook like from the water boy. And, you know, he wouldn't he you know, he wouldn't tell nobody what the play was. He would just do it. But that's not Kevin Stefanski at all. They all get together and, and it's a meeting of the minds. So I can't really say that I would be willing to do that unless they were about to upheave the whole entire offense, which I don't see happening and I don't want to happen. No. So, yeah, it's just it's just all about just trying to get back to. Uh, I guess somewhat normalcy, and that's gonna be my point coming up right here. Alrighty, what you got? 
what is there what what do what do we expect now? Um I think I seen a stat out there that said Cleveland's playoff chances dropped to below twenty percent and then they have at least uh I wanna say maybe a twelve percent chance to win a division. Uh what what do you what do you expect now from the rest of the season? Well, if I'm gonna be flip about it, I know this is gonna sound bad. I would expect a loss to the Packers, but and that's fine. I mean, I hate to say, I hate to play the raw, raw BS card on this one, but when I don't think we're beating the Packers realistically. Mm. I mean, we the, and the rest of the way we have uh, who is it? The Steelers and the Bengals. Mm. And this is one thing that I actually did see that kind of shocked me. Even if we lose to the Packers, you still have a chance to win that division because each and the other two teams, even if we lose, have to uh, win and basically do have to win out because we actually have beaten the uh, what do you we have beaten the Ravens and we have beaten the Steelers. Or yep. sorry, the, the Bengals. The Bengals. Yep. Steelers play us, and let me let me uh, get the exact team list here because I don't want to mess this up because this is cr- this is yep. actually crucial. Pittsburgh has to lose two of three. They play the and they play the Chiefs, who are red hot right now. Mm-hmm. Us, who we've shown that we can actually win this division, and Baltimore, who is basically becoming a wild card in this whole situation because you don't know which Baltimore you're going to get. Right. Baltimore has Cincinnati, they have L.A. and they have Pitt. I'm just going to say it. L.A. is still going to be playing their asses off right now, so because they haven't done anything. Pitt in Week 7, and sorry, in Week 18, is going to be hard for Baltimore, but they could do, and they could realistically beat them. Cincinnati, I think Baltimore already has lost to them once. I wouldn't be surprised if Baltimore just came out and just laid another egg at this point, especially... If uh, you, and if it's Lamar coming back from injury, which, well, I think is a it's a little worse than we think. And then Cincinnati has Baltimore, KC, and us. We've we've I mean, Kevin Stefanski knows how to beat Cincinnati for some reason. Yeah, we got their number. What's up? I said yeah, we got their number. Yep. Baltimore, I think Cincinnati could re and more than likely beat. Kansas City, though, I'm just going to say it. As long as L.A. is a factor, I don't see Bald, I don't see KC holding up. And guess what? They've woken up. So they're not going to be playing like what we saw in the first half of the season. They're playing pissed off right now. So there's still a decent enough chance. But even if we lose to Green Bay, but in all honesty, I think we're going to see a little bit of a different Browns team. It's just a, my one big concern is how they come back from this COVID outbreak because last year we saw what happened with Miles Garrett. Well, two two things. One is I don't know what to expect because I don't know who's coming back off the list. That's number one. So you know this 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 preview of the of the of Green Bay is going to be tough because we don't know who's back. Uh, secondly, to your other point. I don't think Kansas City will let off because remember this year uh, and for the next coming up years, the number there only the number only the top seed in the in the conference gets uh, that first bye week. Uh, 
So New England is still on their butt. You know, they're only they're only one uh one loss behind them. Uh so you know, I'm pretty sure that um well in uh Tennessee as well. So I'm pretty sure that Kansas City doesn't want to let off the gas pedal because I think that would be important to them. Plus, they know how they started this season was so bad that they I, I believe that the coach and everybody would want to just keep up the momentum for them. You know, just like, hey, look, we're not we know how we can be when we're not clicking on all cylinders. So let's keep on doing this. Let's get this uh this first round by. So uh I don't think you'll really see anybody in the AFC let up just because it's such a tight race uh with, with everybody right now. So uh, I don't think you'll see anybody like let up. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah. All right. So getting into the Packers, uh, the Packers are playing, uh, pretty good. Um, they've already clinched. Of course, uh, they are on a three game winning streak. They're looking good. Their defense is looking good. Everything about the Packers is looking good right now. Uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers is looking good. Um, and then on top of that, I just don't know how to call this game yet because there's just so much stuff that could happen between now and then. Uh, we, Like I said, we could see people come back from the list. We could see people go on the list. I mean, we just don't know. So, you know, this might change a little bit. And I know that I know that this is a very, very early uh, preview of what you think is going to happen. Uh, I was leading into this game, Eric, honestly. Uh, I was counting the Raiders as a win, and I was counting the Packers as a loss, and then I thought we was just going to win out after that. That's what I was hoping that would happen, right? Uh, didn't happen that way, of course. So, uh, this isn't a must-win, technically. No, it's not, uh, because, you know, they're NFC. But uh, this would be a nice, a nice Christmas gift for us if we can go ahead and get this win just to stay ahead as far as on the win on the win column. You know what I mean? So, uh, I'm crossing my fingers and hoping and praying and wishing, but I can't say that, uh, I, I can't, I can't say that we're going to win. So I'll let you, I'll let you do your little breakdown real quick and then we'll do, and then we'll wrap up with some scores. Well, the one saving grace that I do think the Browns will have in this, uh, in, in this very festive game, if you will, is, they actually are going against a Green Bay team that had some problems against Baltimore for most of it, and that was with Tyler Huntley uh, starting. Now, I'm just going to say this. I think, realistically, Tyler Huntley is a decent quarterback. I see him being, I know this is going to sound bad, I see him being the next Terod Taylor to come from that system. Similar, Like, I don't think he, I, like, I know there were people that had said, we need to bring him to Cleveland right away. I just said he's just too much like Terod Taylor, in my opinion. Like, no offense, but whatever the case, um, I'm just going to say it. I don't think that, you know, Green Bay, and as much as I want to sit here and say Green Bay is obviously a winnable game, because technically it's winnable, but it's just a very long shot winnable, for lack of a better word. It's like saying that you had that you picked uh, the fifth best horse in the Kentucky Derby. Yeah, it's win- it's possible he could win, but it's not likely. I mean, 
I'm just going to say, I don't, I mean, it's winnable. I mean, I think that the Browns could win this one. They're going to have to just run on the ground, but you're going against the AFC power, I mean, the NFC powerhouse here. So basically just try to play your own game and just try not to make the mistakes that we've come to expect at this point. Well, yeah, like I said, we'll see, man. The biggest thing that we're all circling around and we'll be keeping a close eye on is that COVID list. Who's coming on? Who's going Who's who's going on it? Who's coming off? Uh, and then, of course, we'll keep watch over any other just intangible injuries. Um, you know, of course, we've seen, like I said, that tack go down. Uh, so I doubt, you know, that's going to be anything where it's like, oh, he could play. No, I doubt that. But, uh, you know, of course, Miles Garrett is always a little banged up, but we'll see how serious it is, see if he can come back. And then um, hopefully we can get some reinforcements, you know, um, especially in the quarterback room um, and, you know, along the secondary and things like that. As of right now, Eric, uh, you know, of course, they play 430 on Christmas. Uh, look, It looks like it's going to be about 33 degrees, no precipitation in sight as of right now. Uh, so, you know, there's a lot of things that can happen between then. So, uh, you know, we'll, to me, this game – this game is a we'll see. I don't really have any big expectations. I'm just hoping this is this is a bonafide Christmas miracle type game, like bonafide. Like, you know, we're not supposed to win this, but we need it, you know, and it's just like, but I'm not going in with my, with you know, my held up high and like, you know, ooh, Browns fan, we're going to win this. Or I'm not sitting up there saying like, oh, we just suck and we're going to lose. You know, like, I, I just think it could go either way. But as far as my score, man, I'm going to stick with the fact that going 27-24, Green Bay comes out on top. Yeah, I think, you know, that's about right. I'm going to go ahead and actually kind of increase it. I think that's going to be 24-14, uh, to 14, to be honest. Like, depending on who the quarterback is, if – if it is Mullins again, the magic number, in my opinion, is probably going to be 17 points at this point. But what it's ultimately going to come down to is that and if we can actually keep up with that pace. I'm not overly sold that we can, but I think the defense can do just enough, depending on who's there, to hold them down. And you know what? I'm going to say it. I think this could also be the game that Joe Woods finally shuts up the, uh, what do you call it, shuts up the critics a little bit. Because the fact is, if you can hold an elite quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, you're doing something right. I mean, I don't see the reason why he's not shutting up critics at, at, a, at this time. I mean, like, if you go back and you look at the schedule, basically, what is it, the last... The most team, the mo- the last time that we like the, a team scored like a bunch of points on us was the, the was the uh, was the Patriots loss. After that, um, you know, Detroit only scored ten, Baltimore only scored sixteen, which we seen that was a crazy defensive effort. Uh, you know, Baltimore um, won, but they only they I mean they scored twenty four, which is right around average. And then of course we seen Vegas put up sixteen. Uh, other than that, I mean, besides that, Chargers, uh, the Chargers, Arizona, and uh, and New England game. I mean, we've really been sticking right there. And if people look at the rate uh, at the rankings and the ratings of the defense and everything like that, like we're in 
if I'm not mistaken, we we got to be at least in the top five or the top eight as far as defensively. So I'm not seeing what people, like you said again earlier in the show, people just want to find somebody to blame. And right now they don't want to blame their darling head coach as of right now yet, even though we started to see that turn a little bit this season. But they mm-hmm. don't want to. They don't want to blame him yet. You know, it's always the coordinator first, you know, um, which we've seen this. I mean, we've seen a revolving door in Cleveland. And at this point, guys, if you don't get it by now, that the reason why the Browns was the laughing stock of the league for so many freaking years, is it, the first thing that anybody says out there, any analysts, former players, anybody like that, they say the Browns never stick to their guns. They always want to fire and then get a whole new thing in there thinking it's going to be different. And it's not because of the fact that you got to give people a chance to establish something. You got to give people a chance to plant their feet and have some consistency. If it's consistently bad, okay. I would say if it's consistently bad, give the guy, unless you were Urban Meyer or something crazy like that, give give the guy give the guy at least two to three years, right? You know, two to three years to get something going. But come on, guys. We seen the very first year, guy comes in, wins coach of the year. We go to the playoffs. Everybody was happy. And then now the second year, oh my gosh, it's like it's like we we feel so entitled as a fan base. Yet, why are we? Why do we feel entitlement? Because we've been bad so much. Well, that's on the owner. You know, we shouldn't feel entitled. Like we should just be grateful. I mean, shoot, we're we're sitting we're, we're sitting at five hundred still. I'm not saying I am satisfied with the result. Heck no, and I want more out of my football team. But at the same time, I got bronze fans on my timeline that sound like. They honestly sound like Patriots fans, like how the Patriots were when they were running the dynasty for the last 20 years. Like, I'm like, come um, come on, guys. Like, come back to reality. Come back with me to reality. Stop trying to fire everybody. Let's let's get some culture. Let's get some stuff going. This is actually, remember we said this, um, you know, before the Brown season started. We said, look, this is going to be a real test if Stefanski goes through any kind of adversity. This is what we wanted to see. and. To me, it's not looking to, as bad, right? Tell me, tell me if you would have seen something like this going on, um, in the Freddie Kitchens era or the Hugh Jackson era, that it wouldn't be a thousand times worse. Oh, trust me, they would have uh, called for his job mid-season, you know. And you know, I think that's the thing. Browns fans are getting a little impatient with, and I get it. That you know, yeah, we aren't gonna make the playoffs. Fire every no. The fact is, we haven't had a winning season before last year in years. Like, literally a de- over a decade. We haven't had two winning seasons back-to-back probably since the 90s. So, here's the thing, and I said this before. I, I, if I didn't say it out loud, I've at least thought it. If you want to develop a winning culture, playoffs are nice. Start with at least back-to-back winning seasons, though. Like, that's how you develop a culture. We see Buffalo right now. Guess what? They had they had the longest losing streak of all time. Josh Allen, or Tyrod Taylor comes in, and they make the playoffs for the first time in over, and in, what, 20 years was it? Or 10 years, 10, 20 years? So... As much as we want to sit here and say, oh, we got to just scrap it all right now. No, you stick with your guns. And, you know, if upgrades come, upgrades come. But for right now, you have your pieces. Let them just 
build and just build with what you got right now because it's clearly working. It's not time to get selfish about it. And you know what? I'm just also going to say it. Don't just call for people's jobs just because you hear it on like national media, for lack of a better word. Like, you don't need to call, you don't need to be, oh, I heard on such and such the dog or whatever that we need to fire Stefanski because we, I mean, we made the playoffs and now we aren't doing this. No, you don't do that. Or my other favorite, and this is something that pisses me off even more well, we've lost. It's time to start tanking. Man, F the tanking, and F the fans that think we need to tank right now. Yeah, ultimately, too, you know, this draft coming up, this draft coming up does not have, I mean, well, besides the one kid from Michigan, a clear-cut person. Like, I mean, this draft is going to be all over the place. So make sure you stay tuned because we'll we'll definitely be uh, diving through that. And that, that's this draft is going to be a fun one. You'll see who like who's real out there and who's fake as far as who does their research. And I'm not saying I'm a draft guy, but I know that this draft is definitely a draft that is spread out and very deep and talented. You know, it's not just the top heavy type draft or anything like that. And then two, you don't want to keep on bringing on all these number one draft picks onto a team. They don't know how to win. That was another thing that we were knocking ourselves over is that we were young. We needed to get veterans in. We've done that. Just let the process play out. We'll add a wide receiver. We'll add some more complimentary pieces to fine tune it. But just because the car is sputtering a little bit, don't mean you just throw out the entire car and get another one. You go ahead, you take it to the repair shop, get a tune up. You know what I'm saying? Get your oil changed. This is what the team needs to do this off season. Just change the oil, get a tune up, you know, realign, you know, get a realignment of the tires or something like that. But you know, just fix it up, man. Don't just get rid of the whole entire car. So Anywho, man, that that ends the 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 stuff, man. I mean, you know, I'm not as enraged um, as Eric is at times, uh, but you know, we do have stuff that that definitely annoys us at times. But uh, we're gonna go ahead and wrap up this show. Eric, do you have any final thoughts for the fans out there, man? Simple. If you are, if you really think we should tank, stop listening and go find something else to do. Go play Madden or something, because realistically. I'm pretty sure you can barely handle that than the actual conversation we're having right now. Uh, I will not say that. I think that you should still listen to us while playing Madden or whatever you want to do. And then just blow up our comments or something like that and say, you know, you guys think and we should tank and just tell us why. So we can just bait in and discuss it. But don't stop listening to the show. Never stop listening to the show, guys. Uh, That might be the the Grinch in me. So ho, ho, ho. Make my heart grow three size is bigger i don't know but um that'll wrap it up man for this episode of brownstown usa again i am la and across from me is eric as always make sure you follow us at brownstown usa on all your social media platforms make sure you listen to us on all your podcast platforms as well we are there we will have this link up in adam uh pretty soon later on today um so again thank you for listening you can also follow us personally i'm only doing twitter because i'm tired of saying eric's name on ig so Follow us on Twitter at LA underscore broadest and then follow um, Eric at Stashball. Uh, Eric puts out a lot of weird things late, you know, um, but it is Browns related, but he just has a mind that thinks about different things. As far as me, I'm always going to tweet about food and, and music and movies and Browns and Cavs, you know, but you know, like, so we got, we're both diverse when it comes to Twitter. So make sure you follow us over there. 
Again, thank you guys for everything. Make sure you have a wonderful and happy Merry Christmas, safe Christmas, okay? Because we are losing people still every single day. And I know a lot of people out there that are still dealing uh, or that is dealing with some hardships and pain during this holiday season. So please make sure you're mindful of everybody uh, with going through that because a lot of people aren't waking up to their loved ones um, on Christmas Day. So make sure you guys have a great holiday. We will be back with you guys probably sometime early next week uh, to recap the Green Bay Packers game. Hopefully it's a Christmas miracle and we can just get on here and yell like the Muppets for a little bit. Um, if not, it is what it is, and we'll break down analysis and give it to you straight again. So, again, on behalf of Brownstown USA, myself and Eric, thank you guys, and Merry Christmas. It's beginning to look a lot like Cleveland everywhere you go.